Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're here to talk about The Mandalorian Season 3, kind of do our recap episode, and we have a guest this week. Jared, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. Uh, long-time listener, first-time guest, looking forward to this. Yeah, we're excited to have you on, uh, especially to look back at The Mandalorian, and uh, it, it was a, man, we, we, we love The Mandalorian, and so I'm excited to discuss it and look, reflect back. We, we talked about, you know, some of the high points here or there throughout the different uh our different reviews but now we get to get to to look back on the entire <laughs> season so we're excited to have you mm-hmm. here for that jared thank, thank you yes yeah before we do that there, there are two pieces of news first of all um on june 28th we're going to get the making of season three of the mandalorian that's right disney gallery the mandalorian returns um and i always love these I love, I love the documentaries and it I'm very glad we're getting one for um a season three so that's happening June 28th so just about a month from now as you're listening to this uh also that's the that's the that's the good news there's also some bad news guys the yeah Halcyon, this, is, this is actually yes very shocking it is very it shocking. is the halcyon is making its last cruise uh on September 28th that's right the star wars galactic star cruiser is shutting down after only a year and a half in operation what what are you what are your guys thoughts on this I, i'm i'm very curious uh, were you as shocked as i was yeah not not the announcement i expected very much one of those things where it's like ah i'll have time to get that later and uh maybe mm-hmm. maybe not now yeah this Did- is actually news to me so really oh, so, so really yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did not hear about it. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know about you guys or you, you Jared, but like I I've been wanting to go. I have not had a chance. I think like you Steven, I was like, "Okay, well we can wait for the initial craziness to die down a little bit and then book a uh book a trip." It's also just incredibly expensive as uh, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think that's ultimately why it shut down, right? I think it is does have to do with the it was prohibitively expensive, I think for you know, two people, it was like $4,500 for two nights. And it's, it, it's a one of a kind experience. And I, you know, and I think it's just incredible, but they've seen demand, uh, fall off a little bit. And apparently it was just not enough. And it, it's sad because everybody who has done it, I think we even had, um, Aaron came on and talked about it. I remember that episode. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's been nothing but praise for mm-hmm. everything about that. Uh, you, you feel so sorry for the cast members and, and even the Imagineers who sat here and put their heart and soul into it to make this thing work. And then all of a sudden it's like, it, it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because like I said, everybody has had a great experience. It's, it's a bummer that it was so cost prohibitive. Yeah, it, it really is. I, I think that's, you know, it, it's a, I guess, I guess Disney just couldn't, lower the price i'm surprised they didn't try but maybe just with the the cost of 
running the um, the whole experience, it just must have been too difficult to do any cost cutting measures there. And so as a result, uh, I think it sounds like they decided to shut down rather than continue, which is a, a huge bummer. So I, I, they've paused, from what I understand, they've paused all new bookings so they could rebook people who had trips planned after September 28th. And feel how I'd be so bummed yeah. if I had a trip planned for like October or November or something and they canceled it. Um, but Is there any way they could revive it? You know, it's a good question. I, I, that is a fascinating question, and if they revive it, it it's good. It's gonna if it does ever come back, it's got to come back as something different. I, sure. yeah, I don't. Yeah, it it would have to come back almost like just a boutique hotel, that's just a Star Wars theme, and sadly, mm -hmm. everything on the inside that is the interactive part of it may be there in spirit, and maybe little hints, and maybe little things you can do, but I, I just don't see it coming back as the actual interactive hotel that right. they tried to, because it, it was for that amount of time, for that price, it just didn't seem cost-effective for a family of four to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you, yeah. I'm, so, I would Steven, not be surprised. <laughs> no, sorry, I, was gonna say, I, I would not be surprised to see it. Um, not come back per se, but just kind of one level down, not as interactive, but still maybe keeping some of the theming or things like that. Um, maybe a little bit more in line with some of the classic Disney kind of themed hotels, but yeah. I mean, um, they, they've already spent all this money to build a, uh, yeah. you know, this hotel and it has a hundred rooms. So it's, it's not a massive hotel, but it's, there's so much time and investment in building this place that, yeah, I have to imagine they'll just keep the property and open it up as a, just as a place where you could stay, right? And that might make more sense financially for them. They could still charge quite a bit. I mean, a lot of the themed hotels are what you know, a few hundred dollars uh, a night. What four or five hundred dollars in some cases, I believe. Uh, and that's probably a little bit easier of a pill to swallow than you know five thousand. So that that's my, my money's on that. But the the experience the the Westworld style, right? Live in Star Wars. <laughs> Everything is like, uh, really, you get that feeling. Everyone's in, in in character. That's probably gone for good. That really sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they can figure out a way to do that, something similar in the future, because it, it was such a cool experience from what I've heard. I, you know, we haven't been on that personally yet. Um, we, we'd always planned on going together, but we weren't able to, to make it just yet. So yeah, but if you're interested, uh, definitely make sure you book your tickets for the summer because the galactic star cruiser is, is taking its last ride and will shut down mm -hmm. uh, in September. So, and rumor has it that last cruise is already fully sold out. Oh, I believe it. I yeah. believe it. <laughs> Everyone wants to be on the last, the last cruise. You know, I remember Stephen. You and I were on the uh, the last nope. ride to Endor for Star Tours. Uh, good times. Yeah, that was a that was for the original Star Tours, and that was a that was a fun experience. I guess technically it wasn't the last last one, but it was the it's one that they called the last one. Uh, it was, really? you know, it was the official last one. It was during that Star Wars night. Right before it shut down, that was, that was fun. And we, we were the la it was like the last yep. ride of the evening, and everyone was excited. And 
video, t- you know, recording it. And uh, I think they let everyone, you know, take pictures and video recordings because it's the last ride, right? They didn't really care at that point. It was, it was a fun experience. So I could see how being on the last ride of the house stand would be similarly exciting. Anyway, well, uh, enough about that sad news. Let's turn our attention to The Mandalorian. So, Tom, I, I think people, they know what this season was about. But just for those who maybe have been, I don't know, had their heads <laughs> under a, a rock or something, what, uh, just give us the quick the quick rundown here. The, the quick rundown is The Mandalorian began a very important journey this season. So <laughs> well, that's 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 certainly the case. <laughs> that's basically the case. But but I do have to say with all the episodes, do you guys agree that it was kind of really an up and down season? There Absolutely. there were epi- yeah, that there were episodes that were great, there were episodes that were meh, there were episodes in the middle and then it just ended kind of pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it. I guess Jared, since you haven't been on the show before, I'd love to hear your th- what do you what do you think of the of the the Mandalorian as a as a whole, and then uh, your initial thoughts on season three before we go into the, a lot of the the details. Definitely. So Mandalorian as a whole, I definitely got sucked into season one, and season two I guess was a highlight for me because uh, that that season was an episode of cameos done right in my opinion. Um, the cameos in season three were kind of fine. They were shoved in a bit, but um, overall, I I enjoyed season three. I definitely think it's one of the weaker seasons. But uh, one thing that I definitely want to want to say right off the bat, and this should give you a sense of how much of a Star Wars fan I am, I noticed that each time R five helped Din Djarin, I I thought. That's not a bad droid for uh that's not a bad job for a droid with a bad motivator. <laughs> good point. Very good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, he he's he's uh he's been doing pretty well for himself uh this this season. Uh, but you know, I, I think I think that's you make a good point. I think there was a lot of it was still a very enjoyable season for sure. Uh maybe we'll just start with the beginning, right? Let's start with the apostate. That's the the first episode of the season, uh, chapter seventeen, and uh, you know the in this one we really get. It felt like man, there's so much that happened between seasons two and three, right? With the book of Boba Fett yes. and and really this first episode and and the season in many ways, the first few episodes of the season actually really had to get people back into the show and what the heck had happened. And I think that that kind of set the the season off on a, a bit of a unsteady footing uh, as they tried to explain and, and recap things, major, major events that happened off screen for people who didn't watch the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. That first episode, like looking back, I think that was probably my least favorite episode of the entire season and by quite a bit. Um, and it does feel like a lot of that is because it's trying to to bridge that gap, but it does it in the most, I don't know, almost awkward way possible. Like it doesn't just, mm-hmm. they don't just play like a recap to tell you what happened, but they try and walk you through it in the episode as well and set up a bunch of plots that will kind of sort of slowly pay off. It's just not the right way to start the season in my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and that I feel like they they felt like they needed to address. You know, uh, Cardoon was gone, and I think that's why they brought back IG Eleven. Uh, they had to address why Grogu was back with uh, with Mando Din after. Uh, or do we just call him Jaren now, right? Uh, after leaving with Luke at the end of season two and then, you know, training with Luke off screen in, if you're just watching The Mandalorian, of course, on screen in the book of Boba Fett. Lots and lots of stuff happen. Also, I guess if you are, in hindsight, thinking about this, right? If you're, if you're watching The Mandalorian season two, Boba Fett's such a big presence. And then season three, he doesn't show up at all. Uh, yeah, and I know that was a bummer. Yeah, and I know Tamara Morrison was a bit salty about that. Uh, the fact that he wasn't invited back. Um, yeah, it just a, I don't know. I, I still feel like they were paying for the way they handled the book of Boba Fett. I feel like if it had just been, yeah. they'd separated the series a bit more or just made it mm-hmm. legitimately season three, right? Or two and a half. Right. It would have simplified yeah. things. I, if this first episode had been maybe not the full Book of Boba Fett episode, but if you include pieces of it, like imagine, uh, you know, Din Djarin going and, re, you know, retrieving Grogu at the start of the season, I, I think that would have worked a lot better. Um, it would have helped it feel a little bit more natural. Um, yeah. But instead, I just felt like, yeah, Book of Boba Fett just ended up kind of doing us dirty. We got stuck with the stuff that... We already knew, but had to explain again, and it just did not work. I know this is not a Book of Boba Fett review, but um, I, I really think it was kind of like a marketing issue because it's almost like they they wanted the Book of Boba Fett to be like a, a, a not completely separate, but like a chapter in the Book of the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm. That's what it that, felt like. And, and that does kind of make sense with having those two you know, let's say the the 2.5 episodes of Mandalorian right in the middle of the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, it did. It did feel that way. Exactly. And I feel like they just should have said, well, no, it's it's Mando season three. And, you know, it, we're going to focus. I, I mean, heck, it's season three of the Mandalorian had an entire episode dedicated to Dr. Pershing. So yeah. why couldn't you do the same thing with an entire ed- episode dedicated to Boba Fett, right? Yeah, I mm-hmm. feel like right. they, they could have made that work if they'd wanted to. Uh, and I think it would have I think it would have landed better overall. Even though, don't get me wrong, I, I still really enjoyed the book of Boba Fett. I think just by the fact that it was a separate season, separate, separate, separate series that you had to go, it doesn't show up in the same queue, right? You have to, you might you might not think to go watch it. I know a lot of people I talked to did not watch the book of Boba Fett. And in fact, have not watched really much of star Wars since book of Boba Fett. I don't know if it's may not be connected, but just a lot of people I know were caught up on the Mandalorian. And then, uh, they kind of lost interest with, uh, book of Boba Fett and then never really picked up Andor even. And, and so I think that, that makes makes it a little even more challenging for them as a show. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, you, I, you mentioned you mentioned Doctor Pershing. Um, we did get this kind of very interesting like bottle episode in some ways, where we like go off to Coruscant and see a lot of Pershing's uh, <laughs> adventures. I'll say, like looking back, I expected that to be a lot more relevant throughout the season. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like we kind of get a, yes. an allusion to it in the final episode, but it it also is just kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even there was though, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Even though it was its own thing, I honestly loved that episode. I I thought it was an interesting change of pace. We get to see kind of the the ordinary life in Star Wars. I know that's probably not everybody's cup of tea, but it it struck a chord with me. I, I, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Honestly, it reminds me a lot of the way the Clone Wars handled things. You know, it was an ensemble show and they would have just, you know, random episodes about, you know, going to a droid spa or, you yes. know, a, a particular, you know, Jedi that we haven't seen before or they are, you know, Padme would go off and we have more of a political, uh, uh, you know, diplomatic mission, right? They, they weren't afraid and they had the ability because it was an ensemble show to, to go and give us just different stories around the galaxy, which we don't really get. We don't definitely don't get in, um, uh, in like the bad batch or, or rebels. And, and I feel like the Mandalorians trying to turn their show almost more in an ensemble, but it, it, it didn't start out that way. And so it's a, it's a little bit harder of a, more difficult pivot. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I agree. I really liked, you know, the, the convert was a, we had all these questions about who Dr. Pershing is and yeah. what his, his mission was and, and what is, what is life like, you know, during this time period. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a really interesting episode but like you said, I Steven, hope you see uh, Pershing's fate. By the way, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we I agree. Yeah, really I, to him. so <laughs> do, I, I was expecting him to turn up at some point in the season, either mind wiped yes. or something, right? But mm-hmm. it, it almost felt more like they were ending his storyline rather than like kicking off a, a, a new storyline in some ways. What yeah. do you think, Jared? Do, do you think he's is he is he still alive? Is he dead? I I imagine he survived the mind flare and that. He's being held somewhere, like in a. Well, he was already. What did they call them again? They weren't. Um, what was the program that they were in? Uh, it was the amnesty part, program. Yeah, the amnesty program. Amnesty, Thank you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I imagine he's being held in like an amnesty prison or something like that. Just like um, I don't know exactly where he is or what. I think he survived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I expect he's around somewhere. I yeah. I think you really hit the nose, though, William. Like, there were many parts of this season of Mandalorian where it felt like they were trying to turn it more into that type of ensemble, connect it to the broader universe, make the Mandalorian kind of this central beast um, for, like, the Star Wars television universe, whatever you want to call it. Um, like, the Shadow Council, which we'll talk about, was also, I think, another piece of that. I, I don't know... I don't know that I think it works that well. Like I thought the episodes were fine where we did this and I'm glad we got the pieces, but it definitely clashed with the rest of the tone. And I do wonder, like we talked about, you know, the final episode is very much a, it feels very final for the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder if that's to close the door on the old style of Mandalorian show. And then, you know, maybe bring us into something new in the future. It's possible. And I think the hardest thing about trying to do that kind of ensemble show there's not many episodes in this season or in this series to let that ensemble show kind of breathe. And that mm-hmm. I think is the problem with it because you're trying, you're trying to take an ensemble and compress it into a short amount of shows. Mm-hmm. And then you're getting the, the, uh, 
the the miscues on how it would flow. Yeah. And 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 that 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 is the thing to where it's like it can work, but if you give it a couple extra episodes, it would work better because you're stumbling trying to make this work. You're right, because with I, only eight episodes, you know, Clone Wars had 22 episodes a season, and it, it allowed a lot more opportunity to take, you know, three episodes and go go, go here, go there. Even if you break it down right into, uh, I mean, I guess you know, Clone Wars had their three Clone episode Wars had like arcs. little stories. Yeah, yeah like ex- exactly. I mean, I guess they had arcs. only maybe eight arcs, eight nine, eight to ten arcs a season, but um, you know, I think the the challenge as you as you noted is that they're it really feels like they're taking a show that was focused on two characters uh Mm -hmm. din and grogu and they're like oh this this show is way too successful we need to make it the center of the this you know the mandovers right this new era that everything connects into and it's you know ahsoka is going to connect into it and skeleton crew and Book of Boba Fett, and we're going to have all these different series all connected to the Mandalorian, except it's, and because of that, they're trying to turn it into an ensemble, but it's at its heart not really an ensemble. And some of it works, I think. Some of it, like bringing in Bo Katan and having her have a, a more central role, having the Shadow Council, even because, you know, we see Moff Gideon talking to the Shadow Council. I think I like those hints or like the Pergil, right? In the background, those, those types of, references to things that are going to come or the larger galaxy, I think are great. But when you try to just completely turn the show into ensemble and go somewhere else, as much as I might love those episodes, it it doesn't seem to work as well. And I just, I felt like it was missing something that we never went back to Pershing. I, I definitely agree with you, uh, Will and Tom, that narratively it's, it's a little bit like the Boba Fett, like you're, you're here and you're there. You're, it's kind of like whiplash almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, even though I I do love some of the uh, the extraneous elements of those episodes, like it it, it does weaken the show a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think I think when it comes to an ensemble, take a look at what they did with Andor. Andor mm-hmm. worked very well because you had an ensemble cast, but you had the little stories per section. Going into next season, you know that it's going to be, I think it's nine episodes, and they're broken down into three episode chunks because they're going to be starting at one time point, uh, one one time period, then they're going to jump to another, then another, then, then another. That way it can work because you have an actual self-contained story that goes over three episodes. In this one, you've got two characters that work very well for the long term that you can tell that kind of a story in this story linearly, but, but to bring in the rest of the ensemble, it, it, it felt clunky Mm -hmm. because it didn't seem like they set it up to be in those chunks. It felt not clunky. (laughs) Nice one. Nice one. I like that. I like that. (laughs) Good one. Uh, one. Yeah. So let's talk about the, let's talk about the overall arc of the season. Uh, before we go into some of the the other episodes, the the premise right was all about okay they're gonna go to Mandalore, uh, and we talked about this in our review of of uh, chapter eighteen. I think we all thought it was going to take until the season finale to get to Mandalore, 
but they got to Mandalore in the second episode of the season. It was just right like that. Mm-hmm. They already were at the Mandalore. They bathed in the living waters, and it was very fast. And I, I like how they did that. I like how the arc of the season was much more to some degree focused, not entirely because there were these different, you know, kind of missions of the week, more, you know, isolated stories, but tying into the larger arc. Um, so anyway, I liked how it had a, they had a purpose throughout the entire season and, and they, they, they surprised us by going to Mandalore right at the beginning and making it kind of opening up a whole galaxy of possibilities for where they could go next. Steven, your thoughts. Yeah, it's just, it's so interesting to me because I think you're right, first of all. Um, like, we started it, I think the first thing we said in our first episode was like, God, I feel like we're going to take forever to get to Mandalore. And then we go there in the second episode. And we're like, wow, they're moving the story along really fast. Like, I really thought that was going to be a lot longer. And then somehow I felt like the rest of the season still ended up being kind mm-hmm. of slow. Um, like, I, I don't think Ennis like, wanted them to do like the Siege of Mandalore um, or, you know, like the big Mandalorian invasion arc later, per se. Um, but I think we really like we spent the entire season building up to this kind of one moment and it definitely gets there. Um, I don't know if I wanted it to be faster or shorter or just broader, but it, it ended up making the season feel very narrow. We go to Mandalore, we leave Mandalore, we go back to Mandalore and then we're done. Like that's the the very short summary of what we just experienced yeah any 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 thoughts jared or tom um i heard someone talk about like the idea that dinjarin <clears throat> should have ended up like bo-katan where he basically walks both worlds like he ends up taking off his helmet i know there was like uh uh Pedro Pascal was filming uh, The Last of Us so that he he wasn't really on set all that much. But I think it would have been interesting if he had made that decision to walk both worlds like Bo-Katan. Mm-hmm. I, I think in this case, I don't mind. I, I see it as two things. I see to where Bo-Katan can walk the two, but you almost need like a rep. Although the armorer could do it as well, but you almost need like a representative from that other world that's strict Mandalorian mm-hmm. that that stays that path. That if you sense. have two, if you have two lead characters technically now that can walk both worlds, then you, you really don't have like a playoff of each other because right. the armorer really is not. She's she's a main character, but not the main character. Like now they brought up Bo-Katan in this aspect. That that can walk both worlds, and then one that stays true. Yeah. So I, I I can see why they didn't do that with with him. Well, and I see in some ways I think Din does kind of walk, you know, in both worlds, right? Where he's he is learning that the way he grew up in the Watch is not necessarily the only way. Now he hasn't gone to the point of taking off his helmet all the time yet. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Originally, I thought we might see him get to that point, but I don't know. I wonder, right? Is his story over? <laughs> if, it, if it is, then maybe we'll never see it. If it's not, I think it's inevitable eventually in his story if he does come back. Um, I, I think it, I think it would be inevitable because um, I think Grogu would be the one that would push him to walk both worlds. Because right, I don't but, think Grogu, because remember, Grogu is the one at, at the end of, I think it was season one, where he was like, you know, made him take the helmet off and kind of looked at him like, you know, 
looked right. at face to face. Yeah, but at so, least um, you know, in this season, he Din is he grows to respect Bo Katan quite a bit and even tells her he'll he will follow her until her story is complete. Uh and her, her song is written and and so I think he, you start to see him, you know, leaning toward that way as well. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, that, that was, that was an interesting piece. I, you know, season, season one was really about Din find, you know, growing to care for this child, Grogu, right? He turns him in, goes, you know, goes on this bounty, discovers the child, turns him in, then decides maybe that wasn't the best idea. Goes on the run. They have a couple of random missions, right? <laughs> like uh, you know the the gunslinger or in the prisoner, where he's just on the run, and eventually they head back to uh, you know uh, Navarro and 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 save the you know um, uh, kind of save 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 Grogu, save the, save grief and and everything else. In season two. That, and so that was somewhat focused. I feel like although the back half of the season was a little bit, and actually even like the middle, right? You had the things like the Sanctuary. Great episode, but, you know, again, more, they're just on the run. In season two, that one is where we got a lot more variety and they started introducing the Mandalorian. And we had like the Marshall and the the episode where they're, you know, transporting the, the eggs for Frog Lady. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, they like take back... Uh, uh, you know, we get like the the siege where they're back on uh, Navarro for a bit, and then and then we see Ahsoka. And there's like a lot of big cameos, and uh, Boba Fett comes in, right? There's a lot of and Luke, right? There's all these big big moments, and then kind of going all over the galaxy. And then season mm-hmm. three is somewhat more focused in that it's really all about returning to Mandalore and. You know, freeing Navarro in the process, and mm-hmm. um, and that sort of, and the you know, helping the Mandalorians on their unknown planet, that that sort of thing. So it's somewhat more focused, and yet not. I I really think that um, possibly a good way of summing it up is like there were solid moments of the show mm-hmm. or the, the of season three. That like really worked, and mm-hmm. you can still see as as a season, it's pretty choppy. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I I I want to address the thing where William you brought up the the cameos in season two. Yes, yes. I I think I think I want to jump ahead to this point and say the cameos in season two worked. A couple of the cameos here in season three. And and I I am I'm not they 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 didn't work because to me they were too obvious or they just didn't fit the cameos when it came to season two they were all in universe you mentioned Ahsoka Tano you mentioned Luke Skywalker you mentioned Boba Fett all those cameos were within the Star Wars universe the problem with season three and and not knocking the the actors actresses who who were doing it. But they were cameos that really were not, let's say, a Star Wars character. Yeah, they were more like actor a, cameos than yes. character cameos. Right. And yeah. that that is the it that was kind of 
I'm trying to be really nice. I'm not no, saying. I, no, go. But, yeah, Stephen, bail me out of this. I think, <laughs> I think you might you might be able to was, summarize what I'm trying to say. I was actually going to disagree. Um, but okay, it's, really? Uh, okay, go ahead. So I, I didn't mind the cameos as much. I actually, because like, especially when you describe like, yeah, don't you remember the episode last season where we had Frog Lady and we were the episode was about delivering her eggs and Grogu is a monster and eats them all? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> I think the challenge with, and you're talking specifically about the episode with like Jack Black and Lizzo. Jack Black and, and Lizzo, yeah. Lloyd. Um, my big issue with that episode is how tonally weird it is compared to the rest of the season. And even in the moment, like we're we're kind of ta- having this arc around, you know, Bo and Din are trying to reunite the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to bring these disparate tribes together. We've got the pi- the kind of, more traditional pirate type Mandalorians. They're mercenaries. They're here for the job. We've got the, you know, like cult Mandalorians that are all about, you know, this is the way. And then into the middle of this, we insert an episode that is very boisterous is is kind of the word I want to go mm-hmm. with. Like it's, it's yeah. very weird. Yeah. And I think if the, the context around the episode had been different, if we were in a hypothetical season four, where it's back to kind of like episode of the week, Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been that out of place. Right. Like season one of Mandalorian does this a little bit where we have, you know, like the the prison break episode and like mm-hmm. um, the episodes felt more tonally different. I feel like the real issue is this was just a weird episode in the middle of a season that already didn't have a very strong identity. You're, right. You're totally... and, 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 and so sorry to, to interrupt. I think with that episode, there were parts of it that had the tonality of the Mandalorian. You're watching it, but it was the other part of it that made it so wonky that you could, you could see it was like, like it was like two styles fighting each other that just, and the part of me that didn't really help was the obvious cameos for that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you, with you both, but you know, I did not love some of the cameos. I feel like when they're like, I mean, even when they, you know, even like with like a new hope, right. A lot of the actors were unknowns. Sir Alec Guinness was like the most prominent one of the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and star Wars typically has, you know, they, they will get the big, big names like, you know, uh, uh, Samuel Jackson, right. Or, or whoever, but other times they have more unknown characters, at least in some of the, the more main roles, these cameos just felt like it's like, Hey, here's my friend who I want to include in the, you know, in, in star Wars rather than here's a good, here's the best actor for the role. Uh, and so I think that's the, that is what, stuck out to me a bit more with like the the actor cameos but i don't know i mean i feel like the mandalorian has always struggled with these guest actors sometimes they're great and sometimes they're over the top and it's either it's either one of the one or the other (laughs) there's no in between well and 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 you can you you, you, bill burr is a great example right that is a guy who came in and just my god at the, at the time, I never knew who he was until I found out later he was a comedian. And then you've got uh, Clancy Brown. He yeah. came in and cameoed in the yeah. same episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, you know, Palimoto tends to be a little more uh, on the, 
almost overacting side of things, but she kind of works, right? Um, some of the other actors like uh, Timothy Oliphant in uh, the season two premiere, he was great as mm-hmm. well. But then you have you have other of the you know other characters that come in that are a lot more over the top and just feel like they were there for. I, I I do feel like there's no middle ground. I think it's either one extreme or the other in the Mandalorian. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Cobb was one of my favorite characters. Right? Yeah. Co- yeah. He's he's awesome. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about the other types of cameos, though, right? So there's the there's the actor cameos, uh, but there's also the characters we know and love uh, who pop up as a surprise. You know, we talked about how season one had. I actually don't think season one wasn't particularly big, right? There was like, oh, we love we love IG eighty eight, so here's IG eleven and and that sort of thing. But uh, season two was when they really went all. That is a, I would say it's a Dave Filoni uh, standard in many ways, or a typical move where season one is a little more focused. Season two starts expanding the galaxy and bringing in characters you know and love. He did this in you know Rebels, uh, for example, doing the same thing in Mandalorian, where now we get Ahsoka, we get mentions of Thrawn, we get um, you know Luke Skywalker, right? All these big things, Boba Fett. Uh, season three didn't really have that much to speak of. I think the biggest cameo, aside from Dave Filoni, right, his recurring cameo throughout the series, the biggest surprise was Zeb. I mean, we also had R5-D4 reappear. And it was awesome to see Zeb. But my brother was saying that the reason they put Zeb in this episode was so that they could reuse the asset to bring him into uh, the Ahsoka show. I could see that. I think they're probably like, yeah, we already I could, built I him. I could see it. Yeah. And on top of that, they probably used this episode to make sure that that <laughs> character can work in live action. I could see that. Yeah. Actually, because he was right. very short. Well, yeah, you know, was... at the end of The Phantom Menace, right, they they redid uh, Yoda in CG right. to, as, yeah. they, as a test run for, hey, can we do Yoda in CG in Attack of the Clones? And... You know, eventually the special edition ended up swapping out the Yoda puppet with the the digital one for mm-hmm. the Phantom Menace when they re-released it years later. But you're right, Tom. I'll bet that's maybe this was a kind of a test case for that. And it worked because my God, that was a cameo that I just completely yeah. enjoyed. Yeah, but there was not there was nothing else really. How, how do you guys feel about them? T- you know, dialing back a little <laughs> bit on the the big surprise. There was no like Luke or anything i think they needed to uh whether it needed to happen or not i i think they the season was like a breather in a way i don't know if that's the right word but like it it almost feels like they got the big cameos out of the way and maybe they were struggling to find like a really big cameo or something but um yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be a good question. What kind of cameo within the season they could have done? I mean, if they were going to Mandalore, um, they already had Bo Katan, you know, they already have the the Children of the Watch. The only one that was the rumor that would have popped up was oh god, it was at the tip of my tongue. The uh, Conc- not Concord Dawn. Um 
but it was also another character from Star Wars Rebels who was a Mandalorian. Um, he was the pilot. And uh, God, I'm trying. I, the name was there. Steven, do you have any idea? He was a he was a pilot. You saw him when they were doing the training of uh, Sabine Wren on the planet. And it was Kanan training her on how I, to use the Darksaber. And I cannot for the life of me remember either. It sounds familiar, but not not a thing yeah, name. Because that that was a rumored character that would help. Interesting. I hadn't I hadn't heard he was rumored to show up. Yeah. But I don't I don't always tend to follow a lot of the rumors because I don't want to spoil myself too much. Um, ne- neither do I, but somehow this this and this is bothering me because I know the character and I can see the character. Yeah. Um I, <laughs> and, yeah, and it's a it was it was a quote unquote again, this is rumor and we don't like to spread rumors, but it made a logical sense because he was he he was taken prisoner by them. My God. Or then the other cameos I could have done would have been like, since you know Sabine's gonna be uh Sabine Wren is gonna be with an Ahsoka, they could have had her mom in this. Yeah. For that clan, yeah, the, the Ren clan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, they don't need cameos, right? I, and I'm actually, as much as I love them, in some ways, I'm kind of glad they didn't have as many because it can kind of stand on its own. You don't always want to lean too hard on just, oh, look, here's the thing you know and love, right? So it, it's, it, it's I think, a good thing. Uh, and instead, we got a lot more time with Mandalore. Uh, yeah, we we went there on a in a couple of episodes. The show. Again, you know, the the structure aside, right? Going back a couple of times, it was really cool to learn more about the planet. We get lots and lots of lore from about Mandalore. We get we learn what happened at the the Night of a Thousand Tears, and and we finally get to understand how Bo-Katan lost the dark saber, and and then of course we see her regain it and destroy it again, right? We we see more about the mythosar and actually see one, although it doesn't really come to fruition at all. It's never really used. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of Mandalorian lore that we get in this in this season, which I I for one really enjoyed. Yeah, it it definitely goes deeper than a lot of shows have. I think like Andor is relatively straightforward. Previous seasons of Mandalorian, I think, have been relatively straightforward. But here we go. We go deep on everything Mandalorian related. Like, it's honestly kind of reminds me of, like, the Karen Travis novels and just the amount of depth and lore and history that gets passed through here. Yeah. How do you feel about the lack of the the Mythosar showing up briefly and then Bo-Katan, she, she sees it, she kind of keeps it a secret, eventually reveals it to the armorer, and then nothing really comes of it? What, what did you guys think of that? I had no the same as sorry, go ahead, Jared. Yeah, no. Um, I was just gonna say I had no expectations for the Mythosaur even after that episode. I, I guess I'm not really as well versed in into it, but that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, Stephen. Yeah, I just I, it's kind of like Pershing. Like you brought up a major plot point, and then we just don't we don't touch it, which is just kind of disappointing. Like I, I wish it. There was a little bit more to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we'll see maybe in season four. I, I would hope because remember, I'm the guy who comes on this podcast saying that when I was ha- having my writer's class, that 
if you call attention to something, you have to use it. They called attention to the mythosaur twice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in the last time you saw the mythosaur, you had the inkling that Grogu knows he's down there. That's mm. the impression I got. So at some point, that mythosaur had better be used. Yeah. I can almost see them doing something like where I, I don't know if this would be possible, but like uh, Bo Katan or Din Djarin riding the mythosaur to retake Mandalore. <laughs> see, and that's that's what I thought originally. I I didn't mind the the Caesar Mandalore part. What are we now? Part five. I didn't mind the episode, but it just seemed like that. You, thankfully, it was the two clans of Mandalore, Mandalorians that were still there, and thankfully, they were both able to, to reclaim it. But it does seem like there's more Mandos out there. I mean, like I was trying to mention. Yeah, yeah it's like I was trying to mention the, the protectors of Concord Dawn. It was Fen Rao. So you have more out there. I didn't expect the seizure Mandalore part, whatever, to go so quick. I expected it to be, okay, we found them. Let's get more troops behind us mm-hmm. to come take this back. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the episode and I love seeing Mandalor- Mandalorians be Mandalorians. And they <clears> had <throat> enough to basically take the base back thanks to, you know, crashing the Star Destroyer right down the center of, you know, the <laughs> this time, this time instead of a, a two meter, you know, uh, port, this was like what, a, a hundred meter port that they took, the, whatever. But I expected a little bit more from more Mandalorians in, yeah. in that. So I, I, I think the the thing that felt so weird about this is you know, they're, they're going to go to Mandalore and, and bathe in the living waters. And he completes this thing. He's done easily. And then like, okay, now we're going to retake Mandalore. And that becomes the, the larger thrust of the season. And, you know, Bo-Katan has to gather the Mandalorians across, from across the galaxy to go retake their planet and it sounds like this epic, epic journey to get g- gather the forces and reunite Mandalore. And it, they I, did it to an to do a, a degree. But the problem in my mind was that it was, she goes out and she brings in the old Mandalorians that used to report to her, and then she, they they meet up with the, uh, you know, with the watch. And then they head straight to Mandalore. And they're like, oh, that we have enough. We're good. We got all the Mandalorians. I, There's only these two factions. And then they meet another faction on the planet. Yes. And they add them as well to the group. But like it it didn't really feel like there was a whole it felt like there was just there weren't a million factions. There was like yeah. two, really. Plus the ones that were stranded. Uh, Jared, your thoughts? I have a thought. Do you think and I, I enjoyed these episodes as well, but do you think if they had gotten rid of the episodes with Gory and Shard and had focused on like literally gathering more Mandalorians that it would have focused the season a bit better? I think, uh, I'll say this. Yes, yes, I think that would have helped significantly. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. As much as I loved that, I actually really I was I was not a fan of Gory and Shard's design at first. But I actually really liked the episode with Gory and Shard uh, <laughs> and the the retaking of Navarro and stuff. But yes, I I think they should have spent more time, whether it's like the the season premiere or the Pershing episode. There was a lot of episodes that I think they could have 
spent or or right guns for hire right the yes. uh, where would they go to plazier 15 it it didn't really they were it was just so easy right to gather the different mandalorians the the trouble on plazier 15 was dealing with all the stuff on the planet and then actually bringing the mandalorians on board there and getting axe wolves to join them was you know two minutes right and i, yeah. I think had they had more challenges and tried to deal with the the how do we come together as these different Mandalorians and work together and and showing more factions? I think that would have helped reinforce the rebuilding of Mandalore better. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking back, it it doesn't seem like the Gorian Shard episodes really contributed to much apart from freeing Navarro, but I don't know, that that could have been like a side mission or something rather than the focus of a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. That could have been done in probably one episode. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, again, the problem is the pacing, right, or the the way they structured the season. I think if it had been earlier in the season, it would have worked great because I do really like how you they, they, they have to free Navarro, and, of course, that gives Din and Grogu a place to live going forward, right, and, and mm-hmm. gives the Mandalorians a new home, although they only had the new home for, like, two episodes because then they go to Mandalore again. Uh, I was going to say one and a half. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's important to agree, but had they done it earlier, it would have made a lot more sense. It felt like, you know, Bo-Katan has this mission to bring together the Mandalorians, but they just kind of decide to go off and do a bunch of other random stuff before they get to that mission. Um, And so, yeah, I think had they structured just just the ordering, honestly, um, uh, for some of those episodes and some of the other others, right? Spending more time on the how do you bring them in into the fold would have really helped land this retaking of Mandalore. Instead, it was very quick recruiting these these Mandalorians. There was hardly any work, hardly any effort, right? Everyone joined them. Bo-Katan relatively quickly, right? There was a mm-hmm. little bit of, oh, I'm not sure about you at first, but then, you know, she she won the duel and Axe Woves and and team joined. Or, you know, she talked to the armor and they they helped save um, Paz Vizsla's son, and then the armor's like, okay, I guess you're not so bad, right? It's a there's a, there was a little bit of this, but it wasn't a, a a ton. And you would think with the kind of backstory that Bo-Katan had, and basically the I wouldn't say the hatred toward her, but the questioning of her herself that it would have taken a little bit longer for them to come around and, and not be so easy. It's like, okay, yeah, I guess we can join you. Jared, I'm sorry to cut cut you off. You were going to say something. Uh, No, I, I I wasn't really going to say anything there. Um, I think, I don't know if this is derailing us too much, but, do you think that Grogu was utilized well enough in this season? Anybody? I love that question. I was just waiting for you to talk to Steven. I know. <laughs> Here we go. I, especially as like the resident, like, I don't want to say Grogu hater, but like not that into Grogu person. I like just Grogu grump. Yeah, I just, wow. that just sounds like something you'd put on a shirt. Wait, 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 I, just, wait. I thought I was the grump in this group. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, I just, like they went clearly out of the way to bring him back into the show. It feels pretty obvious to me that like 
post season two, they weren't planning, or sorry, leading into season two, they were not planning on having Grogu in the Mandalorian for at least a little bit. Then they removed him and they said, like, no, 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 we can't do that. I don't feel like they really justified it in this season having him there, though. Like, yes, Grogu does Grogu things. He, we could see him uses the force powers more. He rescues Din from a couple of, you know, random things once in a while. But the like the big payoff for their arc this season is uh, Din Djarin adopts Grogu formally. I, I thought that and, was so like unnecessary. I really because yep you said it, just, it in the last episode or the last last episode of, of this show. Din, Din Djarin had already adopted him. Like, why did they need to formalize it? Yeah, it. they ended... Their relationship basically ends at the place where it begins. And so when you ask me the question of, was Grogu utilized well this season? My answer is no. Like, I, I'm glad we didn't revolve the plot around him, like, you know, the first two seasons obviously do. But I don't think they did a great job of integrating him. Like, in most cases, he's just there to be cute. Yeah. I, I still think, though, that um, his best scenes, at least, were him fighting the Praetorian guards mm-hmm. and maybe when he's saving them from the fire and the crashing ship. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing I can think of is I, I did enjoy the cute scene of him in IG-11. or IG So, yes. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. He, I like he had his they... moments. He does. And I think he, you know, for, for many people, he's he's one of the main draws of the Mandalorian. So I get why they don't want to change anything, you know, if they can avoid it. You know, it was nice to see him train uh, to be a Mandalorian a bit, although it was a, a bit a bit cheesy. And again, I wish they'd, I feel like it was again too surface level. I feel like a lot of the stuff this season was very surface level, right? You can kind of check the box, but it felt like it lacked a little bit of depth. Um, the, the, he, the he was actually trained to be a Mandalorian. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, he took out. <laughs> yeah, he you, fought Ragnar you, for thirty you, seconds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and cheated. No. <laughs> um. Okay, wait a minute. Oh yeah, that's right. He did cheat. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but the I did like seeing him. Uh, lucky Jared. I, I thought you know one of the things we've complete. We you know I think you'd mentioned Stephen was that. It, it's hard for him to fight and do a lot right now. And yeah. so as silly as the IG 12 suit was at first, it, it allowed him to engage a bit more with the show. And it was a temporary thing, which, which I thought was good, right? That it's not a, he's not wearing this through for multiple seasons, but it allowed him to have more of a, a role in the action. And by the end, I really, really enjoyed seeing him work together with Din to fight the uh, you know uh, Moff Gideon's uh, mm-hmm. uh, army, it was that was really nice to see and how they're trusting each other more. And you know he's we're starting to see him. They'd say talk, but form more sounds. Right, he's getting closer to growing up a little bit. Um, so there, there's aspects I liked for sure, but he definitely was not the focus of this season. Speaking and, of yeah. Gideon, um, I, I think we were going to get to it anyways, but like, what were you guys' thoughts on the clones and uh, Gideon coming back, for that matter? You know, I'll broadly say that like, I, 
I appreciate Gideon coming back. I thought that was fine. I didn't even really mind his like <laughs> uh, Mandalorian want to be cool kind of mentality. Um, I the clone stuff I thought was a little bit weird. Um, and that's another place where it just feels like the original plan was clearly to lead directly to Snoke, and now they mm-hmm. want to branch off to brought more shows and different shows. Yeah. So instead of going directly to Snoke, we will instead, you know, we'll do the Shadow Council. And some of them are, someone's clearly working on Snoke clones, but other ones are like Gideon was working on Gideon clones and other people working on with Thrawn or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I, I I feel like I was, I feel average about Gideon. Like he, I thought he was fine. He was a decent villain. Obviously he wasn't present very much throughout the season, but that's probably okay. I thought mm-hmm. they were going to do more, I guess, because they, they sort of teased the idea of Mandalorians having captured Gideon, but it turned out to be just his own troops or something. I can't remember what, what it was. Yeah, I think yeah, it, but... it, it was made to look like it was Mandalorians who based, who sprung him, but it was his troopers with Man- Besker armor that actually yeah. uh, sprung him. That was kind of a, a not cheap, but like a, a weird choice there. I, I I think. I think the hardest thing for me is they only brought it up, but there was really no payoff to mm-hmm. make it look like it wasn't the Mandalorians. Right. Because if I if I remember correct, it was the and I forget his name, but it was the New Republic uh, X-wing pilot who found the Besker armor fragment. And he goes, Mandalorians? But there was never anything to kind of have him put two and two together. It was, you know, he could still have the idea. It was the Mandalorians who sprung him. You never saw him be told it wasn't us who did it. It was it was Moff Gideon's old uh old army, army that did it because they had Beskar armor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the ultimately it felt it just felt kind of shallow, right? I felt like they were they they checked a lot of boxes, but there wasn't a lot of uh, there wasn't a lot of surprises. It it all felt very predictable, I guess, uh, is how I would describe the the season. And and that's not necessarily a bad thing if the journey is interesting, but it. I don't know. I, I feel like like the, the siege of Mandalore was such a big deal in the Clone Wars, right? And the return to Mandalore should be this massive, massive deal. And yet, right. for some reason, it just felt it felt off, right? Not quite right. It, great action. I love seeing the action, um, and it, it was exciting. But also, it just very uh, kind of almost paint by numbers like you just it was everything you expected and it was it was perfectly serviceable it was great i wouldn't say it was surprising though it wasn't you know um particularly unique it was just okay yeah you know they mm-hmm. they they did it right and i think that's where i don't know I, the biggest surprises were more things like the fact that they destroyed the dark saber right that would that i didn't see coming or the introduction of the shadow yeah. council those kinds of things were cool J- jared what were your thoughts on those I mean, I was just going to ask you, like, why do you think they did that? I, it, for me, it, it seems like more of a, 
a cop out to destroy the dark saber like why not utilize it for future seasons i don't i don't know why they did that my the... my my theory is that they they wanted to show that Bo-Katan didn't need the dark saber to leave lead and they kind of wanted to it also just felt like they wanted to wrap up literally every storyline. Uh, but I, I don't know, Stephen. What, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Nope, I agree. I I feel like the dark saber was also very under underused mm-hmm. this season. Like just approaching mm-hmm. it like it was a the elder wand from Harry Potter, like being passed from person to person. Um, I, I think I would have liked the story you're describing more, William, where Bogotan proves she doesn't need the dark saber to lead and she just needed confidence. Um, that was not the story we got at all. No. And I, I, oh, I, I, no, I was going to say, and I think what made it, I wouldn't say laughable, was basically how she earned the dark saber back because it was by a um, <laughs> right. technicality. By oh. Yeah. So, in a way, in a way, they already discounted the importance of the dark saber because she won it back on a de- technicality because Din lost it to a quote unquote enemy, which was a, a big cyborg bug that she ended up picking it up and taking the dark saber and destroying that cyborg enemy, which means that because she picked it up and destroyed that cyborg enemy and she didn't win it in battle against uh, Din Djarin, she now is the rightful heir of the dark saber so that means din can actually hand it back to her and not which i would have loved to have seen which would not have happened as soon as he hands it back to her she turns the blade on and kills him right there done i'm sorry that would not have happened okay but to have her turn the blade on and at least give a nick or something to make it look like she earned that blade back in a fight but no she got it back on a technicality yeah i know you guys had a, a problem with that for for whatever reason, I didn't mind it. I I thought it was just like a like you know here you you deserve it take it kind of thing. But I I, I see if there's a weight to the to the dark saber you want to have the the true like fight or whatever to to get it back I guess. Yeah. But you see the the big thing about it was um, Bo-Katan didn't believe in that because it was kind of handed to her a couple times and she'd like stare, you know, even Din is like, and she's staring at it. No, I've got to win it in battle. No, I've got to win it in battle. I mean, it's, and then she it, doesn't win it. In right. Okay. Right. And she kind of accepts it because of a quote unquote technicality. Yeah. So, it's almost like she was worn down, like, okay, fine. I'll take it back. <laughs> thank you. You know what? I, I think, I think you really nailed it right on the head because it was, it, didn't she even get it? Sabine kind of did the same thing. Just hand yeah. her saying, this is not mine, this is yours. And she took it and boom, there goes the saber. Then it gets taken away from her by Moff Gideon. Then, then it, it's like, I agree now. That probably is the thing where you look at like saying, okay, you guys have gotten me to the point where I have to accept this because you know it's now mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. It, it, okay, so I, I'm actually curious. Any... I, I love to let's go around and talk about first our favorite uh episode and then we'll once we've all done that we'll talk about our favorite moment or or thing in the in the season how's that sound so uh let's start with favorite episode steven what would you say your favorite episode 
of season three was. You would, wouldn't you? <laughs> just gonna go like, let me double check and make sure I've got all the episodes separated. Um, man, this is a tough one. I want to say I might have to go with the pirate. Like, it's definitely up there for me. I like the the ship battle in particular really, really stood out and was just um, a lot of great action and combat. Um, same for like the Mandalorian troops kind of running through the city and you know saving everyone. Um, so yeah, I think I'm just gonna have to go with the pirate. And that also just happens to be my favorite moments as well, I think was just Oh, no, I'll take that back. My favorite moment's still we'll, got to be... We'll come back. We'll come back to your Fine, favorite we'll come moment. back to that one. <laughs> Pirates is my favorite episode. Tom, what about you? God, you would have to put me on the spot. I'm going to have to go with Chapter 24, The Return. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I have to, because the, the phonetic energy, the, the fighting that you see, while wearing uh, the jetpacks, the, the armor taking out, taking out the stormtroopers just with mallets is just so fun to watch. And then you have to admit, it was kind of funny to sit there and watch Grogu trying to stay away from the pectoral guards while he's running up there above them and to see his little feet working so fast. So I, I'm going to have to go with the return. My favorite moment, we're going to save that one. So um, Jared, why don't you go next? What's your favorite episode? As strange as it might be, I want to say my favorite episode of this season was the convert um i love the bookends with like the the tie fighter fights the the bombing of bo katan's home and then um does that episode end with her uh fighting other mandalorians i forget uh at the, be at the beginning yeah we had a little bit more um uh at the beginning of the episode we had her her house get bombed yeah, right. we got yeah. that. But then she, the end, and then they go to the waters, yeah, briefly. Yeah. They, they land okay. at the Mandalorian yeah. base. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where she ends up underwater. She sees the mythosaur for the first time. Okay. But, yeah, I, I even though it was, like, uh, a separate, completely separate story from the season, I really, really enjoyed the stuff with Dr. Pershing. And um, I hope more of that comes back, whether it be a different show or... I I don't know if I want to see it in season four of The Mandalorian, but yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's yeah, I think, man, the my two I think my favorite episode was the spies. Uh the I really liked I really like being seeing the there's there's so much to like in the episode, right? We got the Shadow Council, uh, which was really cool, and Captain Palayan for the first time, and more hints of Thrawn. We um, that's when you know Grogu gets the IG12 suit, right? There's a, there's a really there's a lot of really cool stuff, and then, of course the death of Paz Vizsla. It. It, I thought that part was was really nice. I, I liked a lot of uh, the spies, and so I think I think that's my favorite. Although the pirate was also a really good one. I I, I enjoyed the the retaking of of Mandalore, and also the I mean, I mean there were some very good ones, right? The Mines of Mandalore was also a good one. So I don't know. It's I I think I still have to give it to I think I still have to give it to the spies. But yeah, there's a, a lot of great. Uh, great uh, episodes in, in the season, even though, you know, we might have our, our critiques and how we wish maybe things would have gone. Okay. So we'll, now we'll start with favorite 
moment. Uh, who wants to go first? I, I I'll just go. Uh, <laughs> everyone okay jared you uh, <laughs> yeah jared, jared, let the guest go first okay thank you uh my favorite moment by far was the shadow council um i loved seeing brindle hucks and uh captain pelion i i actually am in the process of reading the the um the original thrawn books so uh it it's cool to see those teases of Thrawn coming into the Ahsoka show. And um, yeah, I, I think that was just a stellar moment. Tom, you want to go next? Yeah, because I want to take this one before somebody else does. I think it's the death <laughs> of uh, Visla. Uh -huh. Just to have him sacrifice himself. I'm sorry. That that was so, I, you know what, if somebody, if somebody, it, I, I, that, that was, that was a moment for me just, just to watch the sacrifice of himself, um, to make sure that the rest of the Mandalorians got out. Just, that was, that was a moment for me. Steven, you go next. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm torn between the ship battle in the pirate and, uh, the air battle we get in the season finale. And I kind of am leaning towards the latter. Like it's, it's probably very cliche, but like it's just hard not to love the Mandalorians streaking in on their jetpacks and the armor, you know, literally hammering people to death in midair. Um, just a lot of great cinematography there that is just hard not to love. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, I'm I'm torn. I, there's there's some great moments. I I mean the discovery of the the uh, mythosar was really cool even though they didn't really do much with it um maybe the liberation of navarro uh because i just seeing the mandalorians drop onto the planet it, that and of course the freeing of mandalore but since uh, steven you just mentioned that one i think i might do uh the, the liberation of navarro as well just those they were just really cool moments and i love seeing all the mandalorians in action so yeah i think i'll i'll go with that one <laughs> uh um i'm trying to think before we wrap out do you have any theories for season four we had a few last week on our, on our last episode but or two weeks ago i guess and our review of the the finale but do, jared do you have any hopes or theories for where they might go next i'm trying to think um i don't know honestly i i i'm it really does seem like they tried to wrap everything up like you said um i would like to see more of like man like we, we got some of the mandalorian culture i guess but i want to see Mandalorians thriving and what that culture looks like, like we saw in the Clone Wars, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I, I hope we see, I think we'll see more of the Mandalorian. I don't know. I, the, the way they wrapped up the season was a surprise to me. I think that was the biggest surprise. It just, it does feel like they wrapped up everything. And if, they could have ended, they could end the series there. And mm -hmm. I think people would be satisfied. I, there's really not much left 
uh, that it isn't clearly going to be picked up in some other show, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is the uh, that I think was the most surprising thing about the the season. It and in some ways it worked really well, and in other ways I felt like they almost took the most direct approach to wrap up everything, whether it was like the clone plot or, you know, Moff Gideon or, or whatnot. It, it seemed like it was, Oh, we got it. We got to tie this up. Got to tie this up. Got to tie that up. And in, in some cases it was, it was worked. It was wrapped up well, but they could end the series. And I don't think anyone would, people would want more, right? They want more, yes. of course, episodes, but I don't think anyone would be sad that, it was canceled too soon, right? For example, I'm just wondering, well, are, are we going to be doing Wamparat ratings as well? We are. We are. Yes. Okay. So, awesome. yeah. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, so, yes, I, I think that's the that was the biggest um, surprise to me was that they just wrapped it up so, so perfectly. Um, so, yeah, it's. Yeah, I don't know. It, I I don't I don't really know where they go next. I think they could. This could be the end of Din and Grogu's story, and I'd be perfectly fine with it. Uh, or they could reset and they could start over and have missions of the week again with now Din working for the New Republic. Um, or they could go and focus completely on Bo-Katan and the rebuilding of Mandalore. Although I, I'm not sure, like if they, even that seems to be fairly wrapped up. I don't know. Steven, do you have thoughts on where they'll they might go next? No, I, I think you nailed it. I'm expecting this will be our soft reset for, you know, going back to episode of the week with Din working for the New Republic. Um, and I the other thing I think they're setting up for is he'll still get to interact with the broader like Mandoverse, if you want to call it that, but I think they're also trying to move him out of the the direct line, as it were. We've dealt with Gideon. Gideon was a Mandalorian thing. Now we are on to, you know, Ahsoka and Thrawn. And, you know, Din Djarin may be involved, but I don't think he's going to be the the center of it. Um, and I hope that will lead to a better Mandalorian show, a little more even, because they won't be trying to, you know, serve multiple big uh, big plots or, you know, like storylines is the word. Tom, what are your, what's your theory? I would love to see them kind of incorporate some of the stuff from the old Karen Travis books when it comes to the Mandalorian culture. Um, Cause I really enjoyed those books. I don't know. I, I do agree that the way they ended the show that they ended it quietly, they ended it with them being very happy. And if there was to be another season, I, I agree with you, Steven, they could reset it to where it does go back to a mission of the week because he is technically a bounty hunter, and maybe this is a cheat way of them to incorporate Rangers of the Old New Republic that was supposed to have been its own TV show. Maybe this is a way to do it, but him technically be that Ranger that's trying to find information for the New Republic because he did set himself up to be odd jobs every once in a while for the Republic. So that that's my theory. So, William, what are your thoughts? No, I, th- I think I think we've all I think we've all shared it. So, uh, I think should we go into our WAP rat ratings? Yep, and oh. I think we should let Jared do it first. <laughs> if you want, you really want to go first, Jared? I know one. you've been excited. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think you need to go first. Okay, I will go first. Um, 
I want to rate this season higher, but I think I'm going to go with 7 out of 10 Womp Rats. And what my 7 Womp Rats are doing, they are stranded on Mandalore in like a mine or something. They are um, they're surrounded by toxic gas, and R5 is coming to save the 7 Womp Rats. <laughs> Love it. Tom, what would you rate this season? Well, Jared, I like your seven, but I think I'm going to raise you by a half. I'm going to go with a seven and a half right here. Um, I did enjoy the episodes. I thought it was a good, good season. Um, it did have its moments. It still has the one sticking point from the episode with Jack Black that I can never get out of my head that I said during that review, and I'm not going to repeat it because it's always going to be stuck there. But I I appreciated the episodes that I appreciated the show. I thought it was good. What's going to happen going into season four? No clue. So I'm going to take my seven and a half Womp Rats and I am going to let them run around the, God, where are you? I want to get the planet correct. They're going to stay on the planet, not the covert. Ah, you were there. Foundling guns for hire. Okay. They <laughs> are going to be on the planet of Pilsar 15. And they are actually going to be the 7.5 Romp Rats that are keeping an eye on Christopher Lloyd to make sure that he gets himself straight. So when he gets out of prison, he can actually serve the 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 community the way he's supposed to serve. And also to keep his hand off that red button. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It was a long way to go, but I got there. Um, Steven, you want to go next? Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, I think I'm also going to give it a 7.5. Like overall, the season has a lot of ups and downs. None of it is ever really bad, except for the first episode. Um, it's just a little inconsistent throughout, um, but enjoyable. Like I enjoyed watching it. And some of the highs in there, you know, like the ship fights and the final episode and the battle um, definitely are up there. So seven and a half for me. Um, and my seven and a half Womp Rats, I mean, look, Gory and Shan, Shan, Shard, Shard, Shan, uh, now I'm going to get Fennec, Shan, and Gory and Shard, right? Am I, I'm not correct. confusing you those correct. two? You I, correct. I, think, okay. I think you're close enough. Thank you. Anyway, Gory and Shard is out of the picture, so it is time for the new Womp Rat pirate gang to rise up and uh, torment <laughs> the galaxy, coming to season four soon. I love it. And uh, I think that leaves you, William. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, you know, the, I, I love the Mandalorian. It, this season, I think, should have been the most exciting season yet because we were going to Mandalore and we we're going to see the return to Mandalore. And it it wasn't quite that. It was still very exciting. We still got to see the return to Mandalore. It felt a little bit more, just a little bit like it lacked just a little bit of depth and the uh and they they wrap things up a little too nicely for my taste um but you know some of the episodes were were you know better than others i think i you know we talked about i didn't necessarily always love some of the guest stars and 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 things but it was still a very very fun season very enjoyable i you know i just i love the show it, we 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 record these we do these reviews because we love it so much right we we love the mandalorian and um, it's even even when it's you know maybe has its missteps here and there, right? It's still such a great a great show, and uh, and there's some highlights like the 
the the Mandalorian battles were just so good. So anyway, uh, and also little, little connections, right, to future works like more hints of Thrawn get me excited. So yeah, um, I'm gonna give it. Uh, I I think I'm gonna do eight Womp Rats um, out of out of ten. I actually looked at my average for the season and it's pretty much right at eight. So um, I'll, I'm gonna give it eight Womp Rats. And these eight Womp Rats. You know, Bo-Katan thought she saw a mythosaur, but there was actually just eight very, very large womp rats uh, underwater. And and so that's why she never did anything with the mythosaur. It's, it's just the womp rats. So I never uh, knew they could hold their breath for that long. Oh, they're they're very good at swimming. You'd be surprised. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's any other final thoughts before we close out our our look back at season three i just want to thank you guys for welcoming me into the podcast of course um, yeah of course thank you for coming on Jared. it was yeah, yeah it was so fun you. to have you join us uh do you want are, do you want to tell folks where they can uh find you if they're curious to uh, to uh follow more you... i have a few youtube videos uh i'm iron batman jared montag you can look up those um yeah, I, I don't really have any other plugs. Oh, so. that's great. <laughs> love yeah. it. Love it. No, <laughs> thank you cool. so much for joining us. This was fun. Uh, it's great to hear your thoughts on The Mandalorian. And yeah, looking forward to chatting with you again sometime. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, with that, I think that's about it this week. We'll, next week, uh, our next episode, we will be discussing are uh we'll be having our look back at season two of the bad batch so just like our our mandalorian season three recap we're not going to turn our focus to the bad batch and then of course to star wars visions uh after that so stay tuned we got more ion cannon coming your way over the next couple weeks uh even though we're in a little bit of a, a break between star wars shows there's still a lot more coming at you thank you all for listening Hope you guys have uh, a great uh, day wherever you're, whenever you're listening to this and may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga from the films and animated series like the Clone Wars and Rebels to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncanoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.